Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, I'm Gary Mansfield, and welcome to the Mizog Art Podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to an artist. Now let's begin by banging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode number 39 of the Mizog Art Podcast. This week we're speaking to Tim Gattenby, oil painter and all-round nice guy. But before we talk about Tim, I reckon we should all raise a glass for Miss Kate Bryan and her husband James for the birth of little baby Gino on July the 4th. So congratulations all round including Auntie Gina. Kate and I were supposed to be recording an episode of the Mizogart podcast this week, the length some people go to get out of recording a podcast. But anyway, back to this week's podcast, Mr Tim Gattenby. So thanks to Tim for stepping in at very last minute. I first knew of Tim via a mutual friend, Sam Harris. Sam had been collaborating with Tim on a few paintings which we talk about in this podcast. Tim had quite a discombobulated route into being a fine artist. While he was doing his degree in film, he fell in love with graffiti, which somehow led him to spend two years in Florence studying traditional oil painting. Yeah, that's what I thought. But Tim does actually fill in the gaps in this podcast. And talking of this podcast, whatever platform you happen to be listening to it on, you should be able to like, subscribe or leave a comment. If you could do one or preferably all three of those, it really would benefit this podcast and anyone who's looking for an art podcast and obviously be much appreciated. But enough of that for now. Come and join me in the studio of Tim Gattenby. Today I'm with Tim Gatenby. Hiya Tim. Hello. Um, as you're well aware, I have seven questions 
that I ask every artist. The first one is, how would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know your work? I think um, if someone just didn't know my work, then they'd probably have to look it up. (laughs) 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 Let them do the work to find (laughs) out what you do. No, I I would say like quite blurred out pictures. I quite like these um, sort of soft soft paintings where you kind of... um, there's a lot left to the imagination in a sense like it's it's sort of very blurry quite foggy sort of pictures of um, landscapes or sort of nostalgic characters from my childhood sort of growing up um, I'd say uh, if you watch the TV in the 90s then you'd be able to yeah, very much, to very reference much. some of the have you always done oil painting? have you always yeah. been an oil painter? Yeah, from, I mean, the first tools I picked up to make uh, artwork was always, yeah, oil. I don't know why, I think. Was your degree, your degree wasn't in fine art, though, was it? No, I did a degree in film, and then, because I was obviously really interested in sort of moving images. I think that's why a lot of the time I'll do sort of diptychs, or, I think that's actually kind of why I like sort of um, the foggy stuff, because it gives a sort of sense of movement, and it makes things going in and out of focus, which is... What's what eleven films like really great transitions between shots and mm. just these sort of different images combined together and um, creating like a narrative by yeah sort of just two two uh, images next to each other. Yeah, well, Craig Richardson, who we was talking about earlier, yeah. um, on his paintings, he's very into the cinematic approach and. A lot of his work will have just a hand coming in from, from off the plane, you know, or, or um, just a person half in shot. Yeah. Because he wants that to be like a still of a uh, a film. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a, I, I really like that idea, like about um, the cinematic element coming into painting. Gives a lot of motion without. Yeah. Without having to show the motion. Without having it? to move, because that's the thing with films. Like, oh, what I found is it's such a definitive beginning and end so yeah. when you make a painting like or a sculpture or anything there's, there's no real like time no. allocated to the experience yeah. of like viewing it so you can just you can go and see a painting for five minutes and then another time look at it for like a um, couple of hours or something yeah. like if you want it like there's it doesn't fix you in when you watch a film you have to give all your attention for those two hours which is amazing sort of feeling at the end of it but with a, with paintings or you know sculptures you can really just access it at your own pace when I was in front of a Francis Bacon painting yeah. about two years ago I think it was at Hauser and Worth I can't remember where it was and it was just painting all on its own it hadn't been shown for about 30 years and I was in front of it and I was just in awe of this painting I'm the only person in the gallery and I was just standing there looking at it for 10 minutes, then looking at the side behind it, you know, and yeah. unawares that this security guard was slowly creeping behind me and standing <laughs> by the door, you know. He thought and you were Yeah, I mean, he just saw this bloke standing in front of a painting, just, I mean, who else stands in front of a painting for half an hour, you know? Yeah, but that's it, like, because um, painting's quite different to films in that you, you obviously make an object at the end of the day, so, yeah. like, it's like, it's got a real presence of experience and that's the only place you can see it is on that wall like you can watch the you can watch the same film like on a plane on like 
or on your iPhone on the tube or like on your TV at home or at the cinema obviously but like with the painting it's like this whole yeah sort of um, experience where you have to you have to view it in, in that situation but obviously like different galleries you can have a different experience of how you see a painting well with a degree in film I presume that's the direction you was going to go in you wanted to go in the film yeah. making yeah I was really interested in making films and then because I, I was I moved to uh, Mile End so it was at the time when like there was so much graffiti going on and there was just a really good music scene and like it was all coming up in the sort of early 2000s and it just it just sort of took over from just making films like because if you make a film you've got to have so many different people yeah. working on the project but you can see like if you're just yeah making some art or something then you can just do it all on your own and it's like so what, did you go from film into graffiti no but I think it was all these graffiti that was inspiring me at that time like I loved um, Jean-Michel Basquiat like yeah of he, course he was um, he was probably the first artist that really got me into painting and then you just, um, so I'd, I'd paint a lot sort of more wild when I was younger and then after doing the, de the degree I just kind of thought okay yeah I've been getting into this painting now I want to kind of I sort of went the complete opposite direction. I was like, I want to learn how to do it. Sort of the old masters, yeah. like where it began. So then I went out to Florence and got a bit um, spellbound by classical painting. A lot more than I thought I was going to get. That it was, was the like years. Yeah. So but it's really classical. So you kind of just learn like the, the really traditional approach. How do you get into there? Do you just apply it or do you just pay? I, w I was... Um, I was actually just looking at I'd be, I'd been to Florence on like a sort of holiday and I just I don't know, I just thought all the paintings were so good there and then I just looked on the um, the internet at art schools in Florence that teach like traditional painting and I just found this atelier where it's really small it's like 30 people or something and then yeah just applied and Luckily got in and just... And how long were you there for? I was there for two years. A lot of people will stay on and um, become teachers. But it was, it was too classical for me. I wanted to sort of branch out. and um, It was just like really great experience. But uh, Did you get out of it what you intended to get out of it? Yeah, I think I'd already sort of learned what I kind of needed to learn. And then, yeah. Um, it, it lends itself to portraiture so much. So obviously when I got back, I'd do a lot of portraiture and I had a I used to live with my grand and I had a painting of her in the BP portrait at the National Portrait yeah. Gallery and um, when was that? that was 2012 just just after I came out um, but yeah portraiture it, it, it's, it's really interesting to study people's faces and sort of make pa paintings of um, different characters and uh, different people that you know but uh, some, I, I think it's got its limitations really in yeah. terms of like expressing so how did you go ideas. from classical to I know I was going to say to where you are now because that, but that's quite a leap yeah. but you've been you, the style you're doing now you've been doing for a while where it's been sort of dark and macabre anyway haven't you mm. um, yeah where did where did that transgression well, I think it, take place or was it just a, a complete change 
it's well I think it's more because before I even did the classical tray I was doing uh, more sort of dark pictures or sort of there's always a sense of um, sort of bleak dystopian yeah um, undercurrent in the paintings but I had before I even studied so then as soon as I'd learned the tools I kind of wanted to sort of break away yeah. as quickly as I could um, yeah even when I was studying people would say oh, does it, these look a bit dark like why does, why does it look like the world's going to end in your yeah. portraits yeah. so did you know where you was going to go with it no when you came back I think I did before I went there but then obviously like when you learn a new thing like you get a new idea yeah. so then do you yeah the, well your yeah. idea matures doesn't it yeah all like becomes indoctrinated <laughs> yeah like, either way either way <laughs> Um, did yeah, you feel I think like breaking away was probably probably one of the hardest challenges. Did you feel like you'd taken on someone else's style? Yeah, that's the that problem. it was. Yeah. Yeah. And if if that's just that style you've got around you all the time. Yeah, it's kind of. I mean, that's what you went there for, though, right? Yeah, but you didn't realise quite how um, sort of yeah how influential learning a particular style is. Yeah. It's going to sort of work out on your thing, on your technique. Do you still use the techniques you learnt there in your work now? Yeah, like how I construct a painting is exactly probably the similar methodology. Yeah. And yeah, if I, if I'm going to approach a portrait, I'll um, I'll always use the tools that they gave me. Nice. You um, I see you went on that. Uh, show me the Monet. Take every opportunity. I ap applied that um, and got knocked back and on the on the application form it had on there have you got a criminal conviction or a criminal record and I ticked oh, yeah. yes so you had to put a little if yes please give the details so I give the details and the um, producers phoned me up and said look we can't put you in because it's gonna um, appear that you are earning from your crime Oh, what? I said, I, said, <laughs> I, I said I went to prison I've um, turned my life around I am a model for uh, rehabilitation I've got an art degree like from prison and I'm, an art, now, I'm now an artist I said that's a beautiful story that's not earning yeah. out of your crime you'd think and, uh, on TV they'd want a story like was, that yeah and it was the B BBC said no but did you meet David Lee on there yeah yeah, I became quite good friends with David Lee. Because um, obviously he runs the Jackdaw. Yeah. Which is a, a great sort of stick in the road. Critique. But yeah, he, he was a really nice guy. It's like really bitter. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. He's fantastic. Well, he, he wrote to me when I was in jail. Uh -huh. And I've got the first, I think it's two or three copies of Jackdaw that yeah. he sent to me. Um and when I got out for the day when I was in jail, when I was allowed out, well, I was doing an art course and we was allowed out into London. Oh, and on the first day that I was, at, I was out, I went to uh, see David Lee. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I went to the office there to meet him and Patrick Hughes in the same oh, day. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was when I saw last night, because you'd done an article for Jack Dorr as well. Yeah, I did. I wrote, I wrote an article and... Uh, that was on classical painting on John Singer Sargent um, but yeah David was really 
sort of encouraging in that article, which was great. Yeah. Well, when Jen's I saw ever written, I think. When I saw you, you'd been on that um, show me the Monet on the BBC yeah. thing. That reminded me of David, and then I, I sort of carried on, you know, reading some stuff and saw you'd done an article for the Jackdaw. Yeah. And then in between, sort of like taking some notes on you last night, <laughs> at sort of like eleven o'clock, <laughs> I've just stopped, emailed David. And said like you know I've not yeah know, I'm not, thinking that I said, probably I said we've not smoked for for so many years I yeah. thought I'd say hi to fancy coming on the podcast so yeah it's always I'd funny where the jackdaw pops up because um, I was talking to someone one of my friends studying at City and Guilds doing MA at the moment and I went round to his flat his mate's flat that he'd become friends with on the course and he just had a copy on the table and I'm like, it's just great when you see it I love it that it's not on. online as well yeah. you can only subscribe to it I yeah. think that's fucking brilliant yeah it's really like it's a, it's a really endearing um, publication to, and it's just great when you see it because you just think oh yeah people are still reading <laughs> you, you mentioned already about when you sort of decided that you wanted to go from filming to painting yeah can you remember was that still during your degree yeah kind of yeah it was definitely when I was doing the degree that I just lost a lot of interest in um, being a student and uh, yeah just study I think because sort of half the half of the course was theoretical and you just start thinking like is it it's a bit boring watching a film and thinking about Freudian concepts like yeah, applied yeah. to it. I uh, just like got a lot more enjoyment about just like sat in, a, in my sort of room at the time doing painting. It's I think it's fascinating how when you see or hear of people that are properly focused on one subject, then all of a sudden something comes into their life that just makes them divert down another road, yeah. you know? I think it's amazing. Like we were talking about Sam Harris earlier, yeah. who's like a mutual friend. Um, yeah, he has crossovers. Yeah, he? so is he still doing his degree? Or yeah, he finished it? I think is he's he doing theatre design, is he? Or he's still in his theater? second year. Um, I think he's, yeah, he's doing his exams at the moment, but yeah, he's still got another year to go. Yeah, and he's... But I think that's it. I mean, something like that, theatre design, is it's so good for uh, art because it could can really create like a it's a massive canvas yeah well films are good but I mean I, I still I still make a lot of artists documentaries actually nice. about artists um, I like exploring their practices just sort of three to ten minute films about them working and I'm, really, I'm interested in that it's just yeah the, the idea to make a whole narrative film compared to a painting I just the design is would you construct them in the same way a film yeah. that'd be interesting no I, um, yeah I guess if you watch the artist's documentaries it's not like sort of plain text there's kind of like a lot of my personality yeah. going into it and stuff um, quite soft sort of dreamy yeah um, sort of filmmaking but yeah I mean I always want to go more and more abstract even though I do like a lot of figure stuff I still can um see it as like abstract qualities whereas films are just so structured like yeah. and if you make an abstract film um, completely abstract I think I just don't think it would work no um, someone's probably tried it somewhere yeah I don't no. know if anyone's succeeded I mean uh, yeah. we mentioned Sam Harris there. I do love the Bill Viola pieces 
see that. Very good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're really immersive experiences. You collaborated yeah. with Sam. Yeah. Yeah, Sam and I have done a few things together. Could you explain those collaborations? Uh, yeah, with, with Sam, because um, I think we've... I've done quite a lot of paintings with Mr Blobby, and Sam really likes them. <laughs> 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 Which is weird, because he's like really um, the wrong age group yeah, to even yeah. know who Mr Blobby is. Yeah. He was quite big when I was, yeah. But Sam's about yeah, 10 years younger than me. So <laughs> I don't he know how he known him. He said he's got, his grandparents have got like a huge VHS collection of Mr Blobby tapes and he watched <laughs> them all the time growing up. So when he saw my picture of Blobby, he was like, <laughs> I think his mind was blown. And then we decided to do a, a, a courtroom... Yeah, that's, that's the one I saw, yeah. First which is kind of based on Jimmy Savile, because it's yeah. like, did producers turn a blind eye? It's, like <laughs> <a painting. laughs> it's, uh, it's as if Mr Blobby's been sort of brought into the yew tree, and yeah, the yew tree doctor. investigation. <laughs> How many yeah. paintings did, did you work on the paintings together? Yeah, well, um, yeah, we did in a way. Or did he just <laughs> so what, what produce we do the is, idea? We yeah we sort of brainstormed together about what we were going to do and there's still a few in the pipeline actually with them um, we sort of brainstorm it he'd kind of put some Photoshop things together and we'd we'd um, we'd see if it was the right thing and then yeah. like he just came up with this the, originally it was the blobby one then we did the broom after and the broom one's based on um, I haven't seen the broom I don't think I've seen the noddy it's a broom broom he's like had a car crash and it was just after the Duke had 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 like hit that woman's car oh yeah yeah you said the one with the yellow car yeah, yeah. I thought that's that was brim. a noddy oh no oh sorry I thought it was a noddy car no, no, no that's a yellow that's car brim. yeah um, I see we might do filming. Rosie and Jim I don't know Rosie and Jim <laughs> we, well we came up with an idea to do Rosie and Jim like but Somalian pirates are just <laughs> car <laughs> on the barge <laughs> But then we, re- but then we, I looked it up, and that Jim will paint it. Had already done it. How would he? Oh shit! There <laughs> so you go. We can do. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm comes up with a fucking idea, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I was, because I grew up in Stratford upon Avon, which is um, where Ragdoll was originally. Oh, was from, it? And they, so they had all the sets and in the sort of barge area, they'd have um, the Rosie and Jim boat, so you'd see all of the. Teletubbies and stuff yeah. dotted around. Well, when you Shakespeare s- next to him. When you see him in the dock, um, Mr. Blobby, yeah. it is, if, if you look at it as the character, it's like, you know, sometimes we think, oh, where is that person now? You know, and you hear they might be, like the Zamo out of Grange Hill, for instance, has got a key cutting shop in London. <laughs> or, oh, I can't remember who else it was, someone out of Dollar's got a burger van or something like that. You know, you think, where yeah, are they yeah. now? When you see Blobby in there, why not a character like that? You know, why does it have to you be did. just a normal person all the time? Well, the good thing is with the characters, is because it, it's the sense of nostalgia, so it doesn't just remind you of, I think, Specifically, the character it reminds you of that time, of that era, and you yeah. think about all the other things. Yeah. The character's basically there, a vehicle for you to access those random. Well, I think Ralph Harris was the one that really fucking annoyed everyone <laughs> yeah. because he's just a really was sorry he he was just a really wholesome, really nice man. Yeah. Or so we presumed. Yeah, Ralph kind of fucked it, didn't he? Yeah, he was like everyone else. You go, oh. <laughs> Like Gary Glitter, you know, no one really 
I remember I'd seeing at Glastonbury, like, like, with his fucking <laughs> ball down, like, on the stage. <laughs> it's just, yeah. But, he but now it's got such a creepy... It, yeah, because it's your, you know, your, your fucking change of mindset. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Noel Fielding had a yeah. photograph taken with one of them, didn't he? No, no doubt, because Sam's represented by the same people as Noel, isn't he? Yeah. So, They're who you're going to update now. Yeah, I think Sam's... Yeah, he went round to Noel's studio the other week and sort of gave him a print of the painting, so, and I've, I've heard he loved it. Good. So. That's always good, isn't it? Yeah. Because um, Noel's pieces are... <laughs> they're, they're so funny. I saw one yesterday when there was one of the Wimbledon... It was like John Inverdale and like Sue Barker and stuff. Oh, I don't it just cracked me up. He's like, "Oh, hi Wimbledon!" Like, <laughs> get to see. It does show how his mind works, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Is it, I mean, I I always kind of want to make funny paintings, but yeah, you need to. Because do I don't think anyone can actually stand in front of a painting and chuckle away. From <laughs> I don't it, you know, know. it'd be like you no, think uh, it would be good to make a painting, is it? But I think that, in a sense, that's something that works about some of my pitch that I think is successful is that they might be funny at first but then there's a bit of a sinister yeah. undercurrent well that's always good that, that's the multi-layers yeah. up a bit. and it good. goes from light hearted going from light to dark you know in all those different layers is superb yeah, yeah. Um, so that is part of your heroes yeah is, uh, the ones with you and Sam is that part of your heroes yeah yeah that's definitely included in it I think yeah we were both really inspired by um Grayson Perry's summer exhibition last year as well when we made that picture and we both tried to enter it as a collaborative work into this oh you did and both of our works independently you're both in it, you're both in the summer show yeah. this year aren't you but our collaborative one didn't get in and I think both of us would have liked the collaborative one <laughs> maybe more than our individual what have you got in there because Sam's got his um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's his gold cigarette ends yeah, and chewing gum. Yeah, it's Mido's trash he's got in, which is like, yeah. yeah. I think it's such a great piece. Um, and yours and is... And mine's a motorway painting, in, and uh, that kind of fits in with Jock McFadden's creation because he's obviously paints a lot of motorways and sort of dystopian uh, sort of... Always handy, isn't it? Painting. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I kind of thought, yeah, I might have a chance this, yeah. this time around, but... If only we could have a time machine and put the blobby one in last year with Grace and Do you reckon it would have got in there? I think it would have a chance. What that was his um, brief last year? It was just that was painted yeah. in the prior year, wasn't it? His brief was, they've got to be fun paintings. Yeah. And I entered a motorway for that. And it, I was, it was quite a... It was, a, it was this one up here. How, it was quite how a bleak fun one. can you make a motorway, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing fun about motorways. Really. <laughs> Where'd you go to relax? Uh, probably on the motorway. <laughs> on the <a> bridge. <laughs> yeah. No, I like football, so, yeah. Go to football. Yeah, or the pub, obviously. <laughs> if there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? That's, that is a tricky question, which... I would, I would definitely have Gerd Richter in there. Yeah. I'd have uh, Jean-Michel Bascat. Um, I'd probably have someone like... Ralph Harris. <laughs> Ralph, <laughs> Ralph Harris. <laughs> Noel Fielding. <laughs> no, not that they're similar big painters. Um, 
but uh, Leonardo da Vinci I left because obviously that's where I went to Florence. Um, probably someone like Banksy or something just to get mixed just up a bit. Throw it all together. Yeah, because um, But it would be interesting, these influences yeah. in everyone, a lot of them are so different. Like like the influences you've used, you've just said there. Yeah. I mean, they're obviously, in, they're obviously what make up you as a as an artist it would make quite a strange exhibition to have them artists all together you know yeah but the the thing is with like if you if these are the people that sort of inspire you then you can see the links can't you yeah oh of course yeah but that's that's the interesting yeah that's where I was yeah yeah, I was saying it quite poorly but it's amazing that the people it takes to make up an artist, yeah, you know? Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure musicians would be exactly the same. You know, it might be yeah, the yeah. Sex Pistols and Max Bygraves. Yeah. You know, it might be two different yeah, things you don't that know where, going. Yeah, because you get musicians who, like, on different albums, for instance, would just maybe listen to, like, Tudor music yeah, and then yeah. produce, like... A, yeah, I, so I, was, I was hearing Jarvis Cocker. I saw him at the All Points East thing the other week, and he, and he was... He was saying in an article I read about him that he'd just gone to caves recently and really got into recording in caves. And he was thinking about like how music was first probably played in caves wow. and the sounds of it. And and to think that that could influence like someone who's going to go out and do like you know disco two thousand. Well, it's, it's how they make that correlation between the initial concept in a cave. Yeah. Quite fascinating because that journey's in their head. Yeah, exactly. And they've got to try and show you that whole journey, haven't they? Yeah, I think that's what's really great about art, isn't it? It's like it's just expressing that sort of journey. Yeah. Isn't it? I think for, that's why, for me, the motorways kind of work quite nicely because they are about that journey. Yeah. Like it, it's it's right there on the thing. You can see, like, if you're looking one way down the motorway, that's where you've come from. If you're looking the other way, that's where you're going to. So it's quite a nice sort of dynamic about being in the middle of these two spaces yeah. and but always in because you're always and moving. the transient person just going past yeah well I'm, I'm just putting a show together pretty much as we speak really that's sort of got the, one of the concepts around it is via a motorway the feeling that you get when you're going down a motorway and then you see the diversion signs <laughs> and you have to go through a whole town and you know you, you don't trust these signs in no. front of you until <laughs> until you see them motorway lights again in front of you you know yeah. and th- and I like that feeling that of relief when you can see the motorway when you yeah. know you've just made it and that bit of confidence you get of that acceleration when you're pulling <laughs> yeah. on to the motorway you know um, that's th- this whole project I'm about to do for the Prince's Trust is based around that that the, the guys the Prince's Trust help are heading along their motorway of life yeah. and they get diverted and you know for a little time they're lost and then they contact the Prince's Trust and they sort of put them direct them back onto the motorway and give them that little bit of confidence yeah that's the little analogy I'm using in my head to put this show together for that you know yeah that works really well but it's also interesting when you go on these diverse you go down all these random little A and B roads but you go to places that you'd never no, see exactly. and when you're on the motorway it's basically the same landscape for yeah, the entire exactly. day but then you kind of forget that there's all these different sort of well, I, places just the like, one I had in mind we was coming back from the west country a couple of years ago and it was like two in the morning there's me and my family they're all asleep yeah. and I'm coming up to Slough 
<laughs> Great place. And motorway closed between, I can't remember what it was, <laughs> might have been between junctions 9 and 11 or, you know, wherever it was. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, I, I don't know my way around it. And you've just got to rely on these little yellow diversion signs, which was, I think it was like a diamond or something. Yeah. You had to follow this diamond sign. Yeah, yeah. And you've got no faith in it. <laughs> at all because I mean when I was a kid we'd go and we'd get these signs and just point <laughs> yeah, to another totally because we'd think it was funny <laughs> you know but two o'clock in the morning when you've got you know your family in a car and you're getting lost around fucking slough or whatever yeah, you, you, know. you just think you're going to end up in yeah, you just want to frottle these teenagers <laughs> but um, yeah that was the analogy that, that I used and yeah, it's kind of that lost highway thing, isn't it? Like, if you weren't an artist, what would you reckon you'd like to be? I don't think I'd um, want to work on the motorways. I think I'd want to be an astronaut or something like that, you know. Just fucking get, go into deep space and get lost. See the, that get lost, see the world from like outside of... Um, Outside of itself, because I think that image of when the blue planet came out just changed like yeah. the human mind. Basically, the fact that we could like self-reference ourselves from such a big distance away, like it's just it's had such a big impact on sort of yeah twentieth century um, thinking and sort of probably where we'll go from here. Well, the British astronaut that went up, I can't. Tim Peake, isn't it? Tim Peake. Yeah. <laughs> I heard him on the radio, and he said that when he when he got out that far and, and looked back at the earth, he realised how small and insignificant he was and how lonely that he felt. Yeah, that's nuts, isn't it? Like, when you get on the plane and you just see the... Curvature, the yeah. And everything, or, yeah. It's just like micro-world, but we feel like... Every, like, everything feels so big when we're yeah. sort of walking around, like we're really occupying this place, but then... Yeah, you, you realise you're just, it's just fucking nothing. Yeah. Where can people find you, internet, <laughs> social media? Yeah, you can always find my work on um, on my website or on uh, Instagram at the Real Tim Gatenby. Is that on all Quite social media post. or just on? Yeah, I have. Uh, yeah, I only have Instagram. And it is the Real Tim Gatenby. Yeah, like the real Tim Shady. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, that's all my questions asked. Thank you very much for your time. There you are, Tim Gatenby. I've got to thank Tim once again for stepping in at the very last moment. And as Tim mentioned there, go over to his Instagram page, which is the real Tim Gatenby, to see the portraits from his Heroes series. They're a nostalgic trip down memory lane that really will put a smile on your face. During this podcast, I did touch on a future project an exhibition I'll be curating in aid of the Prince's Trust. A little while ago, I had the pleasure of meeting a guy called Ben Burling. He runs a recruitment firm called Logan Sinclair. And although I'm skipping over a load of detail here, we spoke of the cultural vacuum in the city. And within walking distance of the financial hub of the city, there are thousands of artists just queuing up to sell their work. Ben had seen my face value show and fell in love with its concept. And during this conversation, we put all three of these elements together. There's tens of investment firms in the city, all of which have a charity fund. 
there's that aesthetic void that can be filled by the artist just down the road. So we thought, why not ask them if we can use a little bit of their charitable fund and we can use an endless bank of artists to create pop-up shows, all in aid of whichever charity they see fit. The first just happens to be the Prince's Trust. So Ben and I, together with his friend Bev Shah and a mutual friend, Stu Whiffin, are all putting our heads together to make this happen. It's a win-win win situation and without question there'll be a podcast about these exhibitions nearer the time but that's enough for now as always if you want to see a full lineup of artists go over to mizogart.com and for the day-to-day goings on pop over to any of the social medias which is at mizogart m-i-z-o-g-a-r-t so thanks for listening and until next week, ta-da. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.